Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, there's a marvelous account of the Lord Jesus healing a blind man. After laying hands on the man, the Lord asked him if he could see anything. And the man responded by saying that he could see men, but as trees walking. Well, his sight was partially restored, but not yet clear. So the Lord touched his eyes again, and this time the Bible says, and he began to see all things clearly. This is how we are in our spiritual seeing. We need the Lord's continual touch and healing of our spiritual eyes, especially when we come to His Word. Take a book like Psalms. It's quite easy to see something on the surface. But do we see all things clearly? Do we see Christ unveiled, magnified, and exalted? Lord, be merciful to us all. Touch our seeing again and again. Bill Lawson joining us here. Bill, I... uh, Appreciate this is really kind of part two of a program, contrasting, comparing these two Psalms, 15 and 16. 15, again, one that uh, really extols the law. But in 16, as we've seen David now, I think the third time in these Psalms, his focus shifts, doesn't it, away from the law. Right, Chris. Psalms 15 and 16 are very similar to Psalms 1 and 2, where Psalm 1, you have the law exalted and magnified. Then right away, Christ comes in to be the center of God's economy. And the same thing, we have it again in Psalm 15, where you have the law extolled quite highly. But then in Psalm 16, a very, very difficult psalm to see Christ in, you have Christ magnified and exalted. So in Psalms 1 and 15, you have the human concept there. But then in Psalm 2 and Psalm 16, you have the divine revelation, and this is what we want. We want more than just our human concept about the Word of God. We want to see the divine revelation and see it unveiled in these portions. Bill, um, in the written life study, Witness Lee brings up this very poignant passage in Mark 8 that I referred to in the opening about this blind man who has this experience of the Lord, and the Lord touches him and there's a kind of a partial restoration of his sight. He saw something, but it was men that looked like trees walking. And the Lord realized he didn't have his sight fully restored, so he needs another touch. And I have to confess, that's very much how I feel like and I felt like coming to a book like the Psalms. You know, you get glimpses, but you just don't see that clearly. We're really being helped here, aren't we, I think, in this life study, just the first 10, 12 programs, uh, these messages Uh, We're getting our sight more and more restored, aren't we? We really are. Brother Lee does a masterful job in in opening up the depths of these psalms. 
And it's just like the blind man. Many times, you know, most of the time, I would say, we come to the Word and we see something a little bit. We don't see it clearly. We try to explain it to our friends or our fellow believers in the Lord. And many times we make them more, uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, confused. Yeah. And <laughs> Pretty soon they can't even see the trees, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, at least it says here in Mark 8, he began to see all things clearly. He still didn't see all things clearly. <laughs> but at least we realize through this rich ministry of Brother Nee and Brother Lee, we're beginning beginning to see all things clearly. Well, our previous program, as you mentioned, uh, we saw this comparison, I think, quite strikingly between these two psalms, 15 and 16. Today, we really focus on 16. Uh, It is the psalm that's at the higher plane. It's taking the divine view, the divine concept, as opposed to the human one that extols the law. And Christ is seen here, but we need the spiritual touching of the Lord to help our eyes see. And these first two portions today are just marvelous to realize Christ in the four main steps of uh, his economy in his work, accomplishing God's purpose. And that first step, of course, his incarnation and human living. And these are seen in the early verses in Psalm 16. I've picked a couple here to read, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 8. Preserve me, O God. And this is a Psalm of David, Bill. It's really, the first person here is the Lord himself speaking, isn't it? Right. Yeah, to understand, I think that's important. Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I say to Jehovah, you are my Lord. And verse 8, I have set Jehovah before me continually, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Here's Witness Lee with our first portion. We go to Psalm 16. Concerning Psalm 16, we have a full picture. Let's see the picture. Here's a man, not a good man, but a God man, Jesus Christ. In his four stages, these short psalms, only 11 verses, cover such a wonderful person in human living, his death, resurrection, and ascension. Now let us see all the four stages. In his human living, he became a man and brought divinity into humanity. Formerly, divinity was all the way separated from humanity. But when Jesus was born, divinity was brought into humanity. And the two things, divinity and humanity, meet together and mingle together to be one man, to produce a God-man. Don't think I mean a good man, a God-man. Okay, Christ took refuge in God and trust in God's preservation. I tell you, when he was a man on this earth, he made his preservation in the very God in whom he trusted. You know, the Lord Jesus, while he was a man on this earth, he took God as his Lord. And uh, setting God before him continually, not to be shaken because God is at his right hand. In John 8, 29, the Lord says, while he was on this earth, he was not alone all the time because all the time God the Father was with him. You think that was Jesus, but that was Jesus with God the Father. God the Father was there with him. 
Bill, maybe I'd like to read this verse he just referred to, John chapter 8, verse 29. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He makes a statement in this first portion. I want to just quote to you and ask you to develop the thought. In his incarnation, it was not only God becoming man, but it was Christ bringing his divinity into humanity. Pick this point up. Right, Chris, here, when the Lord Jesus is speaking here in John 8, saying that he who sent me is with me, we think in our human concept, well, God the Father sent God the Son, so God the Father is up there somewhere watching his Son on the earth, but we don't realize the Father is embodied in the Son. So when the Son is speaking there, that means, essentially speaking, the Father is with him and in him. He is the very embodiment of God the Father. When the Lord was incarnated, we know, and came to this earth, we have to realize that before that incarnation, he was only in divinity in eternity past. When he was incarnated in the womb of the, the Virgin Mary, he brought that divinity into humanity. He not only brought divinity into humanity, he mingled that divinity with humanity, and he was conceived and born and lived as a God-man. Now God, who never had humanity before, he put on humanity, he lived as God in humanity, and here, this is all implied here in Psalm 16. It's a marvelous revelation concerning the Lord Jesus bringing God into man, mingling God with man, and living a God-man life, living the human life by the divine life, and he also lived the divine life in the human life. Let's talk about this term mingling. Uh, We heard it in Witness Lee's portion. You just used it. The two natures, the divine and human, being mingled. Now, Mm -hmm. what that does imply and also what it does not imply, because we want to be clear here, don't we? Right. Of course, the mingling is the bringing together of two natures, two lives, and when they are joined together, Chris, they do not lose the quality in the joining or the combination. They both retain their qualities of divinity and humanity, and neither do they form a third nature. But the divinity is distinct from the humanity. The humanity is distinct from the divinity. But in the combination, they don't lose any quality of divinity or humanity. And this is the kind of life that the Lord lived. It was a mingling of lives, the human and the divine, and also a mingling of natures, the human and the divine, without producing a third nature. Therefore, we can say he was the perfect man and the complete God. Right, right. He was a complete God and a perfect man. He has complete divinity and perfect humanity. Wow, marvelous. Bill, let's go on. The first stage we've just touched, human living, implying incarnation. Uh, In verses 9 and 10 of Psalm 16, we see his death clearly implied here. Therefore, my heart rejoices and my glory exalts Even my flesh dwells securely, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor let your Holy One see the pit. Clear reference here to his death. Right. And as we continue in verse 10 and 11, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor let your Holy One see the pit. You will make known to me the path of life. Implied here, Bill, his resurrection, right? That's right. And then in verse 11, the second portion, we see his ascension. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Tremendous. Here's Witness Lee once more. Now we come to his death. 
Christ was obedient to God even unto death. And that death of a cross. Christ was willing and happy to die for the accomplishment of God's economy. He told us in John 10, he <laughs> laid down his life. No one took his life away, but he laid down his life. Then he will have the authority to take the life back. He went to die just for the accomplishment of God's economy. Now we come to the third stage in his resurrection. In his incarnation, he brought the divinity into humanity. In his resurrection, vice versa, he brought humanity into divinity. In his resurrection, he brought his human part into divinity to be begotten of God, that he may be the firstborn son of God. But he was, in turn past, the only begotten of God. But in resurrection, the only begotten son became the firstborn son of God by having his humanity begotten of God. When Christ, in his humanity, was begotten of God to be God's firstborn son. All his believers were also begotten of God to God's many sins. So in the same resurrection, God begat his firstborn son Christ, and God also begat all the believers to be his many sins. Now, the fourth age, in his ascension, Christ is also at the right hand of God in his ascension to surpass all for the accomplishment of God's eternal economy concerning the church, the body of Christ. Bill, I feel like we need a week at least on each of these points, and we're right. trying to incorporate them all in a two- or three-minute segment. Okay, we have stages two, three, and four, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. I like to focus mainly on uh, the middle one here, resurrection, because mm-hmm. we were talking about how in his incarnation we saw his divinity brought into humanity. Right. Now, this is uh, completed in uh, the aspect of his resurrection, isn't it? Something happens to his humanity. Right. We know that in incarnation he brought his divinity into humanity. He lived as God in man. He manifested God as a man, all of the divine attributes through his human virtues. But at the end of his human life, we have to realize from Psalm 16 and what Peter quoted in Acts chapter 2 when he talked to the Jews at Pentecost, that in his resurrection, he soaked through or he saturated the human part and brought his human part into the sonship of the only begotten Son of God, making his human part exactly like his divine part, And Paul in Romans 1 calls that designation. So now the humanity has been brought into divinity. The divinity was first of all brought into humanity, lived out of humanity, lived through humanity. Then the humanity now in his death and resurrection is brought into divinity. It's uplifted, it's sanctified, it's transformed and fully brought into divinity, making him the firstborn son of God with a resurrected humanity as well as divinity. Then he became the life-giving spirit. That's how it, you know, right. it, it pertains to us. Without that, becoming the life-giving spirit, he can 
not make that process of his humanity being brought into divinity real to me. So that now in resurrection, uh, like Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 3, we were all regenerated when the Lord was resurrected. That means that we also have the life and nature of the Father, and we also receive that transformed and uplifted humanity in the Lord's resurrection. We referenced already Psalm 2 as one that is uh, close in many ways, parallels Psalm 16. In Psalm 2, uh, verse 7, we have this passage about, this day I have begotten you. Of course, that a clear reference to the day of resurrection. That begetting there was not the day of his incarnation, not the day of his human birth, was it? This right. was the day of his resurrection, and we know that from the New Testament. Right, where his humanity was brought into divinity. The process was completed, Chris, in the actual day of the Lord's resurrection. And then, of course, you can see the references here to his flesh not being, you know, remaining in Sheol or Hades. His body did not see corruption because his body was resurrected, right? The divine life eventually saturated his human body, raised up the human body, and eventually transfigured that body, making it uh, him the uh, pneumatic Christ in resurrection, the life-giving spirit. And, of course, not to overlook... uh... Uh, the final stage of ascension, the clear reference in verse 11, at the right hand of God. And of course, we realize that in ascension, that's where the Lord Jesus is today. That's the place he occupies at the right hand of the throne of God in the third heavens. Exactly. Completes the whole picture. As he said at the beginning, this psalm, these 11 verses, give us a full picture of the four stages of Christ. Right. It's a complete process, Chris, like you're saying. You've got incarnation here, you have his human living, and you have his all-inclusive death, and also you have this marvelous resurrection. And even then, his ascension, of course, he was 40 days with them. He ascended on the 40th day. And uh, then he is now in his ascension. He was crowned Lord and Christ and Savior and all the divine things. His obtainments, attainments are, are all there here, hidden in a sense, but unveiled to us in Psalm 16. I think we'll hear Witness Lee put the cherry on the top of this wonderful dish we've been eating today. Uh, In this last segment, I think the review is uh, quite a marvelous picture of this full and complete picture of the stages of Christ. Here's Witness Lee. This is the God-man. Have you ever heard of such a man? You have a full vision concerning this wonderful person. He was the Word of God, even God himself, eternal past. Full of divinity without any humanity. But one day in time, he came to be incarnated, to take up the humanity with a human body. And he became a God-man. And he lived on this earth for the 33 and a half years, and he entered into death to accomplish God's redemption according to God's eternal plan. That's God's economy. After fulfilling that, he came out of death and entered into resurrection. In this resurrection, he brought his humanity into divinity to be begotten of God, to become God's firstborn son, and to let God regenerate all his believers to be God's many sons. And himself became a life-giving spirit. It's wonderful. He became a life-giving spirit 
within his believers as their life and life supply. Then he ascended to the heavens to attain a large position and to obtain a large qualifications that he became the Lord, the King, the ruler, the Savior, even the Christ for the accomplishment of God's economy that God could produce an organism that is the body of Christ in resurrection at the church. Bill, you said something earlier I'd like to come back to since uh, we see it in this last portion. In resurrection, he becomes something. He becomes the life-giving spirit. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. Mm-hmm. And without this stage in the process, uh, though as marvelous as these points would be in uh, the Psalm 16, there would be no way, would there, for them to be applied to us, and therefore there'd be no way for us to be brought into this or organism, the spiritual organism that God is producing in his economy. Right, Chris. Without the Lord becoming in resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, the life-giving spirit, there's no way that the person and work of Christ can be uh, experienced by us, can be enjoyed by us. His incarnation, his human living, all of his divine attributes expressed in human virtues, the all-inclusive death he went through, his resurrection, this would all be objective facts to us, or in a sense doctrine to us, but the life-giving Spirit makes all of what the Lord is and has done real to us in our experience when he enters into our spirit. Of course, he's the life-giving Spirit is Jesus himself transfigured. As a man in the flesh, he's Jesus. But this very one in his resurrection was transfigured into another form, which is the life-giving spirit. Then, as the spirit, he can apply all of what he is and accomplish to me so that I can be, in reality, produced as one of the sons of God and a member of the Lord's organic body. Bill, we've got about a minute before we need to close the program. I'd like you to touch again this last point. The many sons of God we see in Romans, that's 829. Compare that with John 3.16. Of course, in John 3.16, you have the very, very popular verse about God, you know, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son there. That's the only begotten son. But in Romans 8, you see that in his resurrection, he became the firstborn son among many brothers. So he was the only begotten son. His humanity was designated and brought into the sonship of the only begotten son, making him the firstborn son, at the same time reproducing us to make us the many sons. So now he is not only one son of the Father, we are also sons of the same Father. So we have this marvelous picture of all the many sons of God, and now together, corporately, we become his organic body, his many sons, his many believers, to be the church, his body, to express him and to represent him. Well, I'm beginning to see things more clearly, (laughs) (laughs) but I think I need more of the divine touches to my spiritual sight. Always good to have you, Bill, and I enjoyed this fellowship a great deal. It is a marvelous portion here in Psalm 16. These uh, life studies of the Psalms are, uh, occasionally overuse a word, I'll risk that again and say they are marvelous. I, I just can't think of a better word. We hope you'll get the printed messages. We uh, trust that you're able to follow along with us every day. If you can't catch it on radio, you can always uh, make up 
what you missed by listening to the programs on the Internet. All of the programs that we produce here are available. You can access those just by going to lsm.org, and you click on the little radio icon, the radio button there, and it will take you to all of the past programs. So as you're listening on the radio or on the Internet, uh, we would uh, hope that you'll be able to follow us all the way through this live study of the Psalms. We also recommend strongly that you get the printed messages, a great accompaniment to the short portions we're able to bring you on the radio each day. But the messages in full are there in these volumes, and so if you'd like to get those, you can uh, contact us by telephone, toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788, or you can send us an email to radio at lsm.org, and we'll be glad to get you the information as well. We will continue this live study of the Psalms as we go on in our next chapter, chapter 17 or Psalm 17, and uh, we hope you'll join us for that. As for now, for Bill Lawson, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.